0: Go to the Dennis Hurley uh, uh, YouTube channel or Dennis Hurley Facebook page. You'll see Monday night we put together our our group of churches here in the CBD of which we were part of, uh, came together, we did some worship, and it was just such a, I want to tell you these ecumenical things stretch you beyond belief, in good ways and bad ways, I believe. But uh, it has been so good for me. And as I've journeyed with these pastors, I've never known, haven't known them before outside of, outside of COVID and outside of the resurrection of Jesus. It's like put COVID together with the resurrection of Jesus and everything opens up. And um, so it's been a wonderful journey. But friends, today we have an incredible, incredible opportunity to remember the profound, uh, world-changing, cosmic, universe-changing event it's not, it's not good news in the sense of old news, kind of uh, uh, false news. What's it? Fake news. It's real news. Jesus actually was a physical person who actually rose from the dead. It wasn't a figment of somebody's imagination who rose from the dead. The, the, the stars acknowledged him. The, 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 the sun went down in the middle of the day. It's like all of creation came to attention when Jesus was raised from the dead, the, t- the curtain was torn from top to bottom that no longer did you ever have to go into the Holy of Holies to find him. Actually, you would be the Holy of Holies, we would be the Holy of Holies, and he would come to reside in us. An absolute profound moment that actually shifted, and I pray this morning will shift us as we even contemplate it. As we take hold of it, and it will put hope and goodness and glory and kindness into our hearts. So I want to look this morning at uh, Luke chapter 24 and uh, begin to unpack three things that I believe Jesus did as he walked with two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And the Jesus that walked with him was a resurrected Jesus. It wasn't just that. It was the Jesus in his glorified body. In fact, they they didn't recognize him. Uh, One of the translations say, he hid from them. He kind of he put himself in a manner that they couldn't recognize him. And they are walking on the road to Emmaus. They're very deducted. They're very downcast. And the resurrected Jesus comes alongside them and begins to talk to them. Friends, if the resurrected Jesus can come and start to walk up behind, think of this now. Kind of picture the scene a dusty road, two men walking very dejected very downcast you'll see the word is that they use there and the resurrected Jesus chooses to come and walk behind them and interrupt and be part of their conversation two men that knew all the scriptures two men that knew about this Messiah that was coming but was complete they were completely thrown by the way that Jesus came he didn't come with tanks and nuclear weapons to change the world. He came to suffer and die on the cross and to love to change the world. Friends, we will never ever change the world with tanks, nuclear weapons, and political ideologies. The way we change the world is through dying to ourselves and living for Christ and living in love. That's the way God has decided to change the world. And He's given us the privilege of participating with Him in that journey. And these two men are walking along, and this is what they say in Luke chapter 24. I've absolutely loved reading all the the resurrection, the kind of death, burial, resurrection events of all the Gospels over this time. And it is absolutely so profound, so many little nuggets all through it. Verse 13 of chapter 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them. It's amazing he asked them. Allow Jesus to ask you questions today. Listen to the questioning voice of Jesus, the voice that is going to ask us some things. Let today, let this weekend be a moment where Jesus comes alongside us and just whispers into our ear. Ask them a question. The questions that Jesus asks us is never to stump us. It's to draw us closer to him, always. And he asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that you have happened here In these days, what things he asked, he asked. Now, this is Jesus asking questions. He did know what had happened, it was him that it happened to, but he continues to ask them questions to draw them into a place of intimacy with him. Have you ever thought of Jesus as the God that asks questions to draw us into intimacy rather than commanding or telling us what to do to draw us into intimacy? He's that kind of God. He draws us. He doesn't prod us. He doesn't poke us. He doesn't push us. He draws us into intimacy with him. About Jesus, what things he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, he replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped hoped that this was the one that was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who, had, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but, had said, but him they did not see. Remember Mary and some woman go to embalm his body. And they find that stone is rolled away. He's not there. There's a gardener there. They think he's the gardener is there, which is very significant. I'm going to talk about that now. And they, they run back to the disciples. And then Peter and John run back with them, run back as well. And the tomb is empty. They go back to the disciples. Can you believe it? He's not there. This is what they're talking about. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village in which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Isn't it profound? You see, this is the way Jesus teaches us, friends. He teaches us by walking with us. He teaches. His mode of teaching is to walk with you. His mode of teaching is to ask you questions. His mode of teaching is to go make it sound like you're going a little bit further so that you can say to him, no, please don't go. Please come. Please come here. You see, this is the Jesus that they did not recognize. They wanted a Jesus who was a military commander that would come and tell them what to do and bring the tanks in. But Jesus comes as an altogether different leader, an altogether different messiah that comes to die and then have intimacy with these people and draw them into relationship and into purpose with him. It's absolutely amazing. Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Jesus in his resurrection body can appear and disappear. First person to ever have a a resurrection body. Think of that. We're gonna have a body like that. I hear Jen saying hallelujah. No more pains, no more aches. I'm hoping you can eat what you like. (laughs) You can run forever. You never get tired. Ah, come on, Lord. Eyes were opened, and they asked each other, "Were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us?" They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found their leaven and those with them assembled together and saying, "It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon." Then the two then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he had broken bread. So the, the ladies go. They come back. They like are you. you you ladies are talking nonsense. What are you nuts? The, the two guys go, listen, guys, are you nuts? These two guys come back. Listen, by the way, I actually saw him. I, I didn't see an empty tomb. I saw the physical person. Okay, now we're starting to believe, and things start to crack off. There's three things I want to talk about, friends, out of this passage. The first one is this, is that the resurrected Jesus, when he comes along and walks with us, restores our hope and our joy. Right now, the world needs hope and joy. And the resurrected Jesus comes and takes a downcast pair of disciples and puts hope and joy in them. And the reason why we've got hope and joy, friends, is because in Jesus, the new creation has begun. It was the first day of the week. They went into a garden in which the, 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 the ladies saw, thought they saw a gardener. Does this, this, this familiar start to... To, to, to uh, kind of look the story, begin to be familiar, they're in a garden, in a tomb, in a garden. There's nobody in the tomb, but there looks like there's a gardener. And then eventually Jesus appears to him and, and, and they recognize him, and he sits with the disciples, and he breathes the breath of life into them, and says, "As the Father is sending me, has sent me, I'm sending you." You see, this is a new creation moment where God is saying, actually, it's all starting again. Actually, in me, I'm the first fruits of creation. I'm, the, I'm the, the down, the Holy Spirit has been given as a down payment for what's coming, a deposit for what's coming. It's an incredible hope that we have, friends. We have eternal life available to us in Christ. Not when we die, now. We have this bubbling, this excitement, this hope that actually things are changing and things can change. It doesn't mean that things are not going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering. It doesn't mean that everything's going to. But friends, we face this with a hope and a joy like never before. The resurrected Jesus comes to us and says, there's hope and joy available in me. One of my favorite quotes is Leslie Newbegin. I'm neither an optimist or a pessimist. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I'm neither an optimist. I'm not into wishful thinking, hopeful thinking. I believe in the actual fact that Jesus rose from the dead bodily and is seated at the right hand of the Father and has poured out His Spirit on His church to go and be what He was to the world and to continue His mission to the world This is the absolute hope and joy that we have, friends. I'm neither an optimist nor am I a pessimist. I believe in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. We do not have a baseless hope. We have a hope founded on the facts of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The second thing I want to talk to us about out of this text is that the resurrected Jesus teaches us. Jesus teaches us, friends. Jesus wants to make us disciples of Him. The Spirit of God wants to make us disciples of Him. Jesus wants us to follow Him. He wants to teach us. And I love the way that He teaches them. There's a text in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, that says this. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as, tr- just as truth is in Jesus. This is, that's the New American Standard Version. He says, if indeed you have heard him and have been, brought, been taught in him. Most translations say, if you indeed heard of him. I love Ephesians 4, and John Stott brings this out in his commentary. Do you know that, have you heard him? Not heard of him. John Stott says this in his commentary, he says, It's a pity that the RSV translates this phrase, You've heard about him, but, there's no, but there is no preposition. It's not you've heard about him, have you heard him? He comes to teach us. Paul assumes that through the voice of their Christian teachers, they had actually heard Christ's voice. Thus, when sound biblical moral instruction is being given, it may be said that Christ is teaching about Christ. Christ is teaching us about Christ. And at the resurrected Jesus wants to teach us about himself. He opens up the scriptures to show them what it says about himself. Jesus not only wants to give us hope and joy, he wants to teach us. And he teaches, teaches them in two ways. He gives them a burning heart and he opens their minds to the scriptures. It's amazing. He says to them, How foolish are you? How slow of heart you are. Friends, you can have the greatest understanding of the scriptures you like and not believe in Jesus. He says, Actually, how slow of heart you are. How foolish you are because you're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. These were men that had been schooled in the scriptures but could not recognize Jesus. Sorry, I'm not looking over there, but it's quite blinding that way. Jesus wants to teach us, friends, by making our hearts burn. I'm praying this morning, something of Jesus' words will make your hearts burn to want to know more of him. See, the problem was in their hearts, not in their minds. God wants to quicken our hearts to open this word to us. Without the power of the burning presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we cannot read the scriptures for all that they are worth. If they wanted to see Jesus, their hearts had to burn. And I think in church life, we get so familiar with the scriptures. We get so familiar with the preachers and the teachers that our hearts stop burning and we stop learning. To be a, have a learning heart, you've got to have a burning heart. There's this wonderful mystery that comes together as our hearts burn and the scriptures are opened that the revelation of Christ comes to the fore. And that's exactly what Jesus did there. He said they, they go away. Yet Jesus leads them and they sit there talking to each other and they say, Jesus, were our hearts not burning when he taught us? Friends, we need to be in a fellowship of flaming hearts together. Where our hearts are so on fire for God. That actually when the word of God, just the very scriptures themselves, get these God-breathed scriptures get read. Something happens in us and we begin to be taught by Jesus about himself. He opens their minds. He deals with their hearts. And then he opens their minds. You see, it wasn't the emotions that he had to appeal to. It was their minds. He had to open their minds to see the scriptures. To understand, to to see through all of their tradition and through all of their prejudice and through all of their presumption and through all of their familiarity and through all of that so that they could see Jesus. One of my prayers this morning... Is that Jesus would come alongside his church, and put bre- flaming hearts and their burning hearts in their, in their cavities in their chests, and open their minds so that we would know more about him, and become more and more intimate with him. I never forget, and I've, I've shared this before about myself. I, <clears throat> I think before okay we came to Glenridge in 1995. I think before 1995, the most I'd ever read was half a study guide to get through my trick. I I, I never ever, I'll just say this, I never ever read a book in my life. Not one. Might have read a Nancy Drew or a Famous Five or something back in the day when I was wishful and hopeful. But I never ever read a book. I didn't read Othello. I didn't read any of that stuff. I read the study guides and watched the movies. When I got saved... When I, God started to put something in my heart where absolutely I started to consume books. It was like God put a burning heart in me to try and open my mind to understand more about him. To the point where I absolutely love reading. now, And I love reading about Jesus. And I love reading about his things. I can so identify with this text. Because I think it happened in my life. Jesus wants to put a burning heart in us and open our minds so that we'll see him absolutely profoundly. And let him work with us and let him walk with us. And the third thing that Jesus does, he, he wants to restore hope and joy. He wants to open our put a burning, he wants to teach us by putting a burning heart and an open mind, opening our minds to the scriptures. And the third thing that he wants to do, the resurrected Jesus leads us into action and sends us out. He sends us out. As the Father has sent me. I am sending you. And he breathes on them the power of the Holy Spirit. That because without the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever we do is fruitless. You see the very heart of the resurrected Jesus. He had to come to his own understanding, it's not about my will, it's about my Father's will. And he wants every single one of us to come to the understanding, it's not about my will, it's about my Father's will. And my Father's will is to send you like he sent me. Into your workplaces, into your families. Friends, not into the four walls of a church only. That's the big that's the that's the half time. That's where we get excited. That's where we get taught. That's where we get brought back. You know you've got to come back to the to the to the when they're sorting diamonds, you've got to kind of come back to the perfect diamond all the time. Otherwise you kind of start to degrade your eyes. That's what church is like. It just comes with a plumb line while we're out there doing the things that God wants us to do. It's a plumb line coming and saying, this is what God says. This is what God says about you. Remind, remember who you are. Remember who you're not. Remember, don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Listen to the word of God. That's, and, and we encourage each other and worship together. That's why we meet together. But, friends, uh, the purpose of Jesus dying and being raised from the dead was not so that the church could meet together was so that the church could gather and then scatter and be sent as he sent his son. Beyond ourselves, serving one another, the resurrected Jesus wants to come along us, alongside us. And he doesn't come with a he doesn't come with a with a prod, with a, a stick. He comes with a piece of string. Have you ever tried to push anybody with a piece of string? He comes with a piece of string and he puts it on us and he draws us and he leads us gently and powerfully and lovingly. As the Father has sent me, he says in John, I am sending you. The resurrected Jesus wants to encounter us, friends. Not only is all of creation groaning. You know, in Romans chapter 8, it says there's three, three lots of things that are groaning. Creation is groaning. The sons of God are groaning, waiting for the adoption of sons to be ultimately with the Father. And it says even the Spirit is groaning. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it's like creation, whoa. They're still groaning, but there was a little bit of a change. What's happening there? Something shifted. Today is that moment, friends. Let God put hope and joy back into your heart. Let Him teach you. Let Him teach you to walk with Him. Let Him teach you to do the things that He did. Let Him teach you to to be a disciple, to walk in His dust, and to get His dust on your clothes. Let him teach you. Let him open your mind to the scriptures. If you're one of those guys that have never read, and you've never been that guy, I'm telling you now if if you allow God to give you a burning heart, he'll give you a hunger to read, and you'll read stuff that you never thought you could before, just like I did. Just exactly what happened to me. And then he's going to send you out. Then he's going to send you out. Even when the church is not meeting, the church is working. That's the wonder of a resurrected Jesus. And no matter what happens into the future, I hope that God's going to just sort us out in South Africa and do something significant that we're going to meet and we're going to just keep meeting and whatever. But friends, even if we don't, the church is still working. The church is still full of hope and joy. The, the church is continuing to learn because Jesus wants to teach you himself. And, and, and not only that, he wants to send you out. It's a profound moment in God, this. Hello, Beverly, in your green dress there. Father, I pray for your power and your life to come upon us. I thank you for your goodness. I pray as we read these texts, Lord God, would you put a burning heart in us, Lord? This is not complicated, but it's not easy. Help us to be the kind of leaders that you were, Lord God. Not military leaders with tanks, but Jesus' leaders with love. As Doug once said, we just throw hand grenades of love. Let us be those people, Lord. Let us be a people that have on our hearts what you have on yours. Let us be those that go as you go. As the Father sent you, Lord, we want to go. Breathe on us the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again and empower us to do what you've called us to do. In your incredible name, amen, amen. Awesome, eh?